Welcome back to Decadorks. We're the 12-sided guys. We have Scott as Ornan. At your service. Sabrina as Sylvie. Oh, hello. Jordan as Magram. You're most welcome. Matt as Guy. That is my name. Don't wear it out. And me, Paul, as the guy with all the great gift ideas this holiday season. Think of me as the JCPenney's Christmas catalog, but without the lingerie section. Boo! We like the lingerie section! (laughs) I mean, you can think of me with the lingerie section if you want, but that might get a little weird. Are you looking for something to get that hard-to-shop-for significant other this year? Well, how about a button? Character buttons are in the shop right now as we speak. Or what about your parents? You know what they would love? A t-shirt for 12-sided guys. They'll be so overcome with gratitude that they'll be speechless. And how about that office secret Santa you've totally procrastinated shopping for? I'm sure Mark in accounting or Holly in HR or even Brenneth over in tanning and tailoring would really appreciate getting a <laughs> podcast recommendation. And which podcast? <laughs> you know, the best secret Santa I ever got was a uh, squatty potty. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and which podcast would be better to recommend than 12-Sided Guys? None podcast. That's which. For more more gift-giving ideas, go to the 12-Sided Guys Discord by following the link in this episode's description. And if you're wondering what we here at 12-Sided Guys would like this holiday season, we're just happy with your money. So go check out our Patreon and get yourself a little gift as well. At least we're honest. Just like the nerded beard, he recently became a patron, and not only does he have access to the wiki and our bonus content, but he also gets a little Christmas present to him from us. Anyway. That beard, though, immaculate. Yeah. Anyway. That nerded beard is great. (laughs) Anyway. 10 out of 10. (laughs) Anyway. Wood beard again. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, if you ever threw all your family's valuables down the laundry chute into your basement vault, all while keeping the wet bandit gang at bay with your squirt pistol, then this podcast is for you. It's Chorus of the Forsaken, episode 15. I knew that one. I played that one. <laughs> yeah. You know what's really disheartening is to see that giant house with all those rooms and like multiple stories and to think, yeah, Kevin's parents probably paid less than 200000 for it. Oh, it feels so bad. Right in the gut. <laughs> oh, man. Thanks Seriously. for ruining my day, Matt. <laughs> also, they could have put those kids to work at age like, what, 13 back then? So really, you'd be raking in the money at that point. No wonder they were able to buy such a nice house. I wouldn't trust Buzz with a job, though. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't trust him with a job if he was attached to my ass. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) It's a line from Home Alone. Come on, you guys. Oh, man. It's been so long since I've seen it. I'm sorry. All right. I wouldn't let you sleep in my bed if you were attached to my... And then when I read the book in like fifth or sixth grade... I, thought, I think it was um, growing on my ass. If you were yeah. growing on my ass, whatever. But um, when I read the book in class, it changed it to arm. And I remember raising my hand and being like, that's not what it really says. <laughs> you were the teacher, teacher kid. <laughs> I was the teacher, teacher kid. All right. 
Well, welcome back to Vio Severia and the city of Redlam. Last time we were together, our party uh, managed to finish their trip from uh, Beregrad into Redlam after a night stop in the town of Bayman, where they saw a bunch of empty houses where people had been leaving the town due to increased danger from the animals around, including their own domesticated animals like dogs, cats, uh, even cows and sheep. They continued moving along to the city of Redlam. Along the way, Guy and Calden had a, a DTR uh, with each other. And is that right? Is that, what they call, is that what they call it? Define the relationship? Yeah. Do they call that that outside of Utah? What What's DTR? Okay, Down so they don't. To... <laughs> no, it's <laughs> determine the relationship or define the define. relationship. Define, define, the, define the relationship. Define the relationship. Yes. relationship. Yes. So uh, Calden and Guy came to an understanding as Guy's suspicions grew about Calden and that potential shipping uh, may have disappeared. Sorry, listeners. That ship has sailed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, upon arriving in Redlam, uh, the caravan split up. Everyone kind of went their own separate ways, including Serena, who disappeared into the streets. Ryla, who told everybody that if they ever need to travel with caravan again to look her up. And uh, the family went their way. Calden went to the inn called the Oaken Throne. And our party suddenly became aware of a, a rush, a, a gathering that was happening just north of the Chapel of Aona in a place called Cinder's Square. That's not its real name, but that's what has come to be known because that is often where pyres are built and people are burned. As Part of the party, Magram, Ornan, and Sylvie followed the crowd to Cinder Square. Guy took young Dilar over to uh, meet with the contact he had been given way back in Beregrad from uh, Alana, the pastoral of... Yeah, I'm... Shantea. Shantea. <laughs> yes. So There's a many lot names. of names. There's a <laughs> lot of names. The name of the location where Guy was supposed to take Dilar is called Thistledown Threads. As they made their way there... Ornan, Sylvie, and Magram arrived at Center Square just in time to see a flurry of activity as numerous acolytes and prelates of Aeona lit a bonfire beneath a woman, a woman named Jellowin, a woman who Sylvie knew from her time growing up. And before anything could be done, this elven woman, Jellowin, was burned and gone. And that is where we're at at this moment in time. We have Sylvie, Ornan, and Magram at the Cinders Square with a crowd of people watching this fire burn. Just to really quickly uh, describe again the people here in the square, in the center uh, of the square surrounding this altar, you have these, um, we called them last time heretics, for Aeona, these magic users who are using arcane power, uh, but to using it to combat uh, the arcane, which Magram recognized. Uh, and each one of them, there's a man and a woman, they each have a warrior standing next to them, somebody to make sure that they stay in line, that the arcane power doesn't corrupt them. Also standing around uh, are the prelates, these two prelates and this arch prelate of Aeona. These are the people who run the local church. They are not inquisitors. They are not uh, crusaders. They're not on pilgrimage. Uh, they stay here in Redlam and they run the affairs of the church of Aeona. They are all standing around as this fire burns. So 
Magram, Ornan, Sylvie, what are you guys going to do? Uh, Sylvie failed a constitution roll, so she vomits. Okay. Ornan puts a hand on her shoulder, holds her hair out of the way. Oh, what a good friend. Yeah, Magram is just looking at the events and just kind of scowling. There's not much we can do right now, but maybe soon. What's the reaction of the crowd? Are they cheering? Are they in disbelief? Like, what's the mob like? You see, um, everyone who's there, you see a mix of reactions. You see people um, cheering and you hear some people saying, burn the witches, burn them all. Um, You see other people crying. You see people turning their back to the fire and you see some people slowly kind of turning their back and walking away, uh, not wanting to stay here in, um, in Cinder Square. You see the prelates, the archprelate and the two prelates, the church workers, basically. Uh, you see them standing around the pyre and you see these uh, magic users and their bodyguards. You see them gather themselves up. Last time I described uh, one of the magic users forced himself to vomit. The other one was um, kind of hitting her head, trying to take control, make sure that the arcane power did not uh, take over her body. You see that those those four individuals uh, begin to move off south towards the chapel of Aona. I will have Magram, Ornan, and Sylvie all make uh, perception checks as you are scanning the crowd. Ornan got a 10. Uh, Magram got a 13. And Sylvie also got a 13. As you are all watching the crowd, you see um, you see, as people are dispersing, there was such a flurry of activity to get here, and then it's just kind of died. Uh, people are quiet. They are whispering to each other. They are leaving the square. And as you stand here, I don't know how long you guys are going to stand here, but um, the crowd starts to disperse as it has become very obvious that Jellowin has passed. Is anybody kind of guarding the pyre? Like, could I get closer if I wanted to sort of walk over and see if there's any bit of her hanging around? So what you notice is that the Inquisitors, those two soldiers and those two magic users, they have moved off. But the prelates are still standing there. They're both probably in their um, mid-30s. The man has dark hair and a beard. The woman has her hair pulled back um, into a tight ponytail. They are both watching the pyre. And then the arch prelate, who is an older man, probably in his 50s with a gray beard, is uh, turned around and he's watching the crowd. But also between them and the crowd, there are also some city watch um, guards of the Baron uh, that are kind of there to keep the peace just in case things start to get unruly. So probably not going to be able to get too close to the pyre. Okay, yeah, no, I definitely wouldn't go any closer if they're just, if they're hanging around. Um, as uh, the crowd starts to, dis- to disperse and these prelates are watching the fire, the arch prelate, this older man, he speaks up and he says, the demonstration is over. All of you, please return to your homes. As you know, it gets dangerous here at night. It's best you be within doors before too long. May Iona guide your steps. And then he turns back towards the pyre and then the crowd starts to disperse even more. Perhaps we should go. To the Oaken Throne? Yes, I I just think that staying here might not be a wise idea. I couldn't agree more. Well, let's hit the road then. As Magram and Ornan and Sylvie leave Cinder's Square, slowly and melancholy, we're going to cut across town 
over to Silverhand Lane on the east side of town. Um, it is a nice part of town. These shops uh, along this lane are immaculate. They are large, or even if they're not large, they're grand. They're they're well built. They have pennants hanging from windows. They have marble statues in the central park areas between the buildings. You can see that the houses here, the buildings are tight in uh, against each other. There might be like a five foot alleyway between the buildings, or they might very well share a common wall, um, as is so common in in these cities. Uh, But before long, at the south end of Silverhand Lane, you come to Thistledown Threads. You can see it is a, a modest building, relative to the uh, to the buildings around it, uh, but it's in a very posh part of town, so you can only imagine that this is some very expensive real estate. As you approach this building, uh, you can see that there are these large bay windows, and as you uh, look through the windows, you can see that there are some, um, some candles that are burning, and you can see through the windows inside, you can see there are mannequins set up in the windows displaying gowns and different outfits. You can see that there uh, is a counter with some with some fabrics, uh, but you don't see anybody moving around inside. You and Dilar and Prancifal uh, are approaching the front door, which is on the north side of this building. Okay, before we get to the front door, though, I would kind of stay back in an alley, and I would pull Dilar aside, and I'll, and I'll say, Hey, Dilar, buddy. I'm sorry, this is where I'm going to have to leave you. The people here will take you somewhere safe, and they'll, they'll take you to a new home. I'm going to go talk to them. And it's going to sound weird for a bit, maybe, but I promise that I've done this kind of thing before. Listen, it's going to be dangerous, and I wish it wasn't. But you've already proven that you're such a strong young man. If everything goes well, then you shouldn't have to show that much strength again for a while, and you can go back to just playing and learning and and being a great kid. I'm not going to lie, this next part will be scary and lonely. But you won't be alone, okay? You'll have a snuggle dog for a while if you want. And here. Gee will take out his book, and he's going to open it up to that page that has the the contract that he wrote with Tobias. Um, And he'll say, I'm going to write out, uh, let's call it an agreement on this page, saying that you'll take care of Prancival, and he'll take care of you. And you put your name at the bottom if you agree. Then... I'll be able to check in with you to make sure you're keeping the agreement. Does that sound good? Yeah, yeah. So I've been thinking about this for a while, and I actually wrote out a little contract. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so it says, this is what the contract says. I, the undersigned, agree to take into my care one snuggle dog and agree to the following responsibilities. Provide pets, cuddles, good boys, etc., Maintain close proximity to said snuggle dog at all times, including when sleeping, eating, relieving myself, etc. Keep myself and snuggle dog from unnecessary harm or undue danger. Upon signing and in accordance with my continued execution of the previously stated responsibilities, I, the undersigned, will receive the following. Affection in the form of face licks, playful tugs of war, corgi butt wiggles, and the like. An alert and vigilant watchdog, including warnings of danger and calls to come play and a companion that requires neither food, water, sleep, nor potty times. The terms of this contract shall have a duration of one week with the following exceptions and stipulations. Should physical harm come to the snuggle dog, it shall immediately return to its holding location and be unretrievable by the undersigned. 
This contract may be extended beyond the one-week time frame at the sole discretion of the holder of this contract. And then it has a place to sign. I hereby agree to the above stipulations and agree to abide by the responsibilities as outlined. Aw, that's, that's so, so cute. cute. That's amazing. What <laughs> So does Dilar sign it? <laughs> Dilar 100% signs that. And then as soon as he signs it, he, he, he hands you back the quill and he scoops up Prancifal and just gives him the biggest squeeze. So Prancifal, yeah, Prancifal will stay with you for the next week, okay? And if he's about to get hurt, don't worry. He'll disappear back to his home and he'll be just fine. And since you've agreed to take care of my dog, I'll be able to check in with you on how he's doing. So don't be surprised if you suddenly hear my voice. All you'll have to do is just talk back in a short message and I'll get it. And if you can't talk right then, you can stay quiet and I'll check in shortly after, okay? Or you can whisper. Do you want to try it out? Uh, sure, yeah. Okay, so Guy will take out his book, and on that page, he'll write a short little message, and then Dilar hears in his mind, Principal's farts smell like vanilla and mint. You hear back, no, they don't. <laughs> they smell <laughs> like turds. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny, right? And at the end of the week, at the end of the week, I'll contact you, just like that, to let you know it'll be time to say goodbye to the principal. Deal? Deal. And he holds out his hand for a shake. Give him a handshake. Predator handshake. Yeah. You <laughs> give right. a 10-year-old a predator handshake. Boom. Yeah. Snap right. his wrist. Um, <laughs> last thing, though. Last thing. I need you to stay here with Prancival while I go make some arrangements, okay? And if Prancival starts to wander off, I want you to follow him because he knows where to go next. Okay. All right. You're a cool kid, Dilar, and I'm excited to see the person you grow up to be. All right? Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Gee. You're welcome. And I'm going to go ahead into Thistle Down Threads. Yeah, you walk up towards that front door. Is it locked? No, it's not locked. The sun is going down, or actually the sun, I think, is actually down at this point. It's not terribly dark, but um, it is dusk. Yeah, I figured they're closing up shop. As you walk up towards Thistle Down Threads, you can see that the door is still unlocked. But you know that it'll probably be closing fairly soon. All right, I'll just open the door and head on in as if I'm any kind of normal customer. Right as you open the door, there's a little bell that rings as the door opens. Ding a ling a ling a ling a ling, and you hear a voice call back and say, uh, "We're closed." No, it's I actually have um, a donation. I have uh, a pair of shoes and socks, pants and a shirt for donation. Uh, there is a beat, and then you see coming out of the back room the way that this uh this shop is set up is the front room is like the sales room where they display uh the dresses and the and the shirts and the vests and all that kind of thing there's like a table with hats on it and then kind of on the uh on the west side of the building there's a a curtain that's opened and you can see that's like a place where a lot of the uh tailoring happens there's little stools for the people to stand on um but coming out of another back room you see this tabaxi woman step out. She has tan fur with like black markings by her eyes. Um, she is dressed uh, very nice, but not like ostentatious. You can tell that the clothing is expensive because it's they got some silks and things, but it's not um, overly gaudy or anything like that. She comes out and she says, cautiously, she's approaching you. A donation, you say? Yes, I was told by the pastoral of Shantea in Beragrad that you would potentially be accepting donations. <laughs> Sabrina. <laughs> Sabrina. <laughs> <laughs> She's, She's a fancy 
foxy feline, guys. <laughs> Sabrina, you, you're passing notes. Why don't you share what you wrote with the rest of the class? Yeah, let's let's uh, hear it. Paul's just using hot Khajiit tokens over here and then pretending like we're not going to notice that she's a smoke show. Um, she is a smoke show. She is. She's she's lean. She's got you know, kind of long legs. Uh, she comes that grace that Tabaxi have. As she's walking by this table, she kind of looks over and quickly darts her hand over and grabs a ball of yarn, then puts it back. And no, no, not right now. And then she <laughs> she turns back. <laughs> <laughs> and she turns back to you, Guy. Um, Guy, what's your passive perception? Uh, passive perception is uh, 14. 14? With a 14, you can see that her ears are... Um, when she came out of the back room, you can see that her ears were laid back. Um, you can see that she is approaching you cautiously, and you can see that her ears are still laid back. You also see a little bit of the hairs on the back of her neck are are up. And she says, well, I'm, I'm sorry you're misinformed. We don't accept donations anymore. That's a real shame because I was really looking forward to giving you these clothes and I know that they are in dire need of a new home. Um, yes. Uh, They're the, children's clothes. You can see her shoulders kind of slump. And she says, well, before you show me the clothes that you need to donate, I should let you know that, that the woman who accepted the donations um is is no longer available okay and just so everybody all our listeners remember this is really really good thieves can't concealing <laughs> yes. the intentions of our conversation right now <laughs> it's very i good honestly was very confused as to why you guys were cl- all talking about clothing so <laughs> 10 out of 10 pulling the yeah. wool over my eyes well obviously sabrina doesn't think doesn't speak thieves can't <laughs> okay um she says, "Why don't you? Why don't you show me the clothes?" Well, so the woman who used to accept donations is she not returning? She looks around. She walks over to the door and she shuts it—the front door that you left open—and she shuts it. And she turns back around towards you and she says, "I'm going to be frank. The woman who used to help with what you need—I'm fairly certain she's burning to death at this very moment." That's what everybody was rushing toward. Yes, and now, and now I must distance myself from her as much as possible because, frankly, she's been here a lot. And there are a lot of people in town who like to stick their noses where they don't belong. A child, you say? Yes. Now, I am very familiar with certain aspects of this occupation. All I would need to know is what would be your next step. And I can completely pass by you. She goes to the windows and she pulls the curtains closed. And then she goes over and she sits up on the table uh, that's kind of there, the display table, next to some of the hats that she's made. Oh, she's a haberdasher too? She, yeah, she does it all. Um, she says, I still know the connections. I can get your child where they need to go. But after that, I have to sever all ties. You understand, I'm sure. I completely understand. I've been out of the business for the past six months or so, so I understand. Bring the child in. 
I'll make sure that they're cared for and Whoa, kept I thought safe. we were talking about clothing. What? <laughs> I will also warn you, he will be accompanied by... He has a, he has a dog. Like, back arches up. <laughs> Ears go back even further. I whisper, he's not a real dog, but don't tell him that, okay? Okay. Bring a child in. I will telepathically communicate to Prancible to say, come on in the front door. All right. And I'll go open up the front door. I'll just yell out, Prancible, come here, boy. And uh, Prancible and uh, Dilar come walking in. Dilar follows behind Prancible like it's a game. You know what I mean? Like how kids, like, they, they follow the leader. Because uh, you'd warned him yeah. to follow Prancible. So he does, like, exactly where Prancible goes. And then he steps inside. The door is shut. And then this uh, this tabaxi woman, uh, she looks over at Dilar and she says, So, um, you're the you're the child. And Dilar says, Have fun role-playing with yourself, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized I role-playing with myself. Dilar's like, uh, yeah, you're, you're going to keep me safe now? And then uh, the tabaxi woman says, Yes, uh, yes, I will. Here, let me, let me show you, let me show you a, a room you can stay in uh, upstairs. You can make yourself, make yourself comfortable. It looks like you've been on the road for a few days. And then she turns to Yugi and she says, uh, Don't leave. I'd, I'd like to talk with you after I get him settled. All right, yeah, and I would also like to know a little bit, like, what will be his cover? Like, is he going to be an apprentice or something? Just, you know, to explain why he's here in the meantime. Yes, I, we'll think of something. Um, I'll be right back. She uh, goes through a back door, uh, and then about three or four minutes later, she comes back down, just her. Well, I'm actually, while she does that, I'm going to be watching through Prancible's eyes. Okay. Yeah, you see her take uh, Dilar upstairs. She's like... So my name's Eliona. Uh, what's yours? And he's like, I'm Dilar. And she's like, well, oh, what, a, what a great name. So where are you from? And he says, oh, I'm from outside of Knuckle Creek. Um, and uh, I, some bad things happened. And, he, and then Eliona says, oh, we don't need to talk about that. We don't need to talk about that. That's fine. You just, here, you're safe. And I'll make sure that, that we get you somewhere very safe. Sound good? And he says, yeah. Um, you see them go into um, a bedroom upstairs. It looks like there's a couple of doors up here on the second floor. There's a big landing. Like, that's where she takes her meals. And there's a kitchen up there as well. Um, and then there's, uh, there's like, two bedrooms. But she takes him into uh, into the smaller of the two. There's a bed. There's a window. There's a, a candle that she lights. There's a big, like, armoire. And uh, she says, here, this is where you can stay. And uh, we'll even let your, let your dog stay here, too. Um, and just let me know if you need anything. I'll be talking with your friend downstairs, but I'll be back up in just a few minutes and we will get to know each other. And he says, okay. And then Eliona, uh, this tabaxi woman, she comes back downstairs to talk to you, Guy. Okay. You had some questions for me, Guy? So he's a, he's a wonderful kid. Um, and he, I think he understands how careful he needs to be. And he's done a great job so far of following the rules, following the, uh, playing the part we set for him. He was posing as my, as my nephew, and he seemed to do fine in, in the wagons over. So I think, I don't think him blabbing is going to be a big issue. Okay, well, that's good to know. I'm Eliona, by the way. Oh. She holds out her, her hand. I will shake your hand and I will say, um, oh, do I want to... Give my real name. Okay, first up, do I trust the vibe she's giving off so far? Make an insight check. Okay. 
It's only an 11. So, I mean, you can read her body language. Uh, You assume you can. Um, Her hackles were raised. Her ears were back. You can tell that she was um, uh, on edge. Um, Now, after talking with Elar, she comes back down. She seems much more poised. Um, She seems under control. Um, You don't have a reason to doubt what she has to say. And you also don't have a reason to doubt that her name is actually Aeliona. Okay. It's a little too close to Aeliona for my comfort. (laughs) Taking Delar back. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know not all worshippers of Aeona are zealots or crusaders or inquisitors. You can call me Guy. Okay, Guy. Um, Well, Guy, I'm going to let you in on a little information here about Redlam. Um, In case you are unaware, the Church of Aeona, the inquisitors, the acolytes, the crusaders who are here in town, um, they are overzealous. So people such as Dilar need to need to watch themselves, need to keep their noses clean. You will probably hear rumors of a group called uh, the Silent Voice. They will probably be rumors of them being terrorists or being dangerous, but just know that, no, they are they are those like Dilar. Uh, they are those who are here in the city who are trying to make things better for people like Dilar here. But I will not be keeping Dilar here. I will, I will find a way to get him out of the city and somewhere safe. All right, all right. Yeah, he needs to, he needs to be far away from this while he learns to control what it is he can do. Now, unfortunately, on our trip out here, my colleagues and I were not as discreet as we would have liked to have been. So I was wondering if you had any clothing for purchase that I could. Bring back to them just so we could have a quick change of, of look and attire. Oh, well, of course. Uh, just be aware I don't give discounts. Oh, I, I'm flush with cash. I got paid 15 gold this evening. Oh, la-di-da. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, you can look for some different outfits. They are... I gotta look up the pricing for clothing. You better get me something cute. <laughs> Yeah, I'll get something cute for Sylvie. Don't worry. Yeah. But it's going to be, it's going to cover a lot. It'll be cute, but it covers a lot. Rude. Well, no, because we're trying to disguise ourselves. <laughs> so what I'll say is because this is a disguise that you're looking for, you can get costume clothes for five gold pieces a piece for outfit, or you can get fine clothes for 15 gold pieces a piece. Oh, well, I, you, you know that I'm... I'm a, I'm fancy. I'm I'm bougie. So I'm going to go ahead and get uh, four sets of uh, fancy clothes, and I'll let you and guys. He's going to keep all of those, and then he's going to get the rest of us some five dollar. Uh... <laughs> uh, that's going to be sixty gold pieces. Oh oh, gee, that is going to be sixty gold <laughs> yes. pieces. Yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, or it yeah. could be twenty. Okay. No, we're doing fifty or sixty gold pieces. Sixty gold okay. pieces. Okay. I, I could pieces. just do. I could just do uh, fancy for myself and then costume <laughs> for everyone else. You totally could. I love uh, that. Uh, <laughs> no, I'll do. I, I'll. I'll get good. Good for everybody. Okay. And uh, yeah, but I'll let you guys just kind of decide what they look like. But um, Mogrims is not going to be all black. <laughs> and... <laughs> Shoot, darn! It's Paisley. Yeah, uh, or so they're, they're just going to look different than our normal style, just to maybe keep us disguised a little bit better while we're here in town. So, um, Aliona, she comes down and she she hands or she 
picks out some outfits for you and she hands them to you. She says, and these should fit what you described. Uh, but if you need some sizing, then don't hesitate to come back. I can size them um, expertly. And uh, yes, if you need anything else uh, specifically about Dilar, then you can come and talk to me. If you find yourself in this kind of situation again, I will no longer be able to help you. I completely understand. All right, um, we're going to cut back over to Magram and Ornan and Sylvie. You all are headed towards the Oaken Throne, I do believe, correct? Yes. As you head uh, towards the Oaken Throne, the Oaken Throne is back down towards where uh, you guys separated when you first got into town. So the uh, Cinder Square is way up by the Chapel of Aeona, which is up by the docks, which is on the north side of town. Uh, you travel back south past that large split tower building called the Prolian Archives, past um, Umbral Pike Keep, which is this massive castle uh, in the center of town. Just across the square from the Temple of Torm, you see the Oaken Throne Inn. The Oaken Throne Inn is, uh, it's not so much wide, but it is tall. It is uh, made of gray stone. It's a three-story building. Outside, uh, there is a sign by the front door, and you recognize the sign as the Oaken Throne because it is literally a wooden throne uh, hanging from a signpost uh, out in front. You can see that the windows are leaded. Uh, They are bubbly glass, so you can't see in, but you can see light spilling out. Uh, It looks like the Oaken Throne is built on like a corner, so there's a park uh, and square off to the west, but you are entering uh, in from the south side of this of this inn. Okay. We just go right into the inn, right? Unless there's something you guys wanted to do. I think so. This looks to be it. What's everyone's passive perception? Malgram's is 24. Your passive Jeez. perception is 24? <laughs> Holy guacamole! Yeah. Oh my Cause god. Because he, he took a feat, um, the, like, observant feat. Okay. At level uh, four. Oh, my oh, God. Wow. Hey. Okay. Uh, before you guys walk in, as you are walking next to this building, you can see that there's actually also, like, these wooden thrones that are built. Uh, they're, they're, like, extra big, um, but they're set along the side of the building, too, just really to make sure that you know this is the Oaken Throne. As you are walking by, Magram, something catches your eye, and you look over towards this, like, bulletin board that is uh, set on the side of the Oaken Throne Inn. It looks like it's a poster. Uh, It says, Reward for information leading to the apprehension of Wilhelm Lionstorm, known trafficker of dangerous individuals and heretics to the teachings of Iona. Last seen, Fantasy March, in Fisher's Landing, Siren Barony. Report any sightings to the Church of Iona. May Iona's fire purge our hearts of ill. And there is also um, a picture, uh, like an artist's rendering of this Wilhelm Lionstorm. Uh, with your passive perception, I don't think there's any reason why you would not recognize that this drawing looks somewhat like Guy. <laughs> oh, what was wow. the name again? It was Wilhelm Lionstorm? Yes. Only the coolest name of all time. <laughs> A name that you all recognize as from um, Guy's book that he's writing, supposedly. <laughs> 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 and you said it was the Siren Barony? Yeah, he was last seen in a town called Fisher's Landing in Siren Barony. Are you pointing this out to us, Magram? <laughs> I think I might pause and walk over and pull that off the uh, the bulletin board. Okay. 
I will say that th- there are some visual differences, though. Paul said you can recognize it as looks a lot like ghee, but you kind of see the features are a little maybe heavier, honestly, like a little a little squarer in the in the face, and uh, whereas uh, currently ghee has a very well maintained like David Beckham facial hair, this picture has just like a beard and no mustache. Um, and like heavier eyebrows, like thicker eyebrows and stuff. The gi you know looks a bit more fine in his features. Got it. Okay. The gi you know would be married to Posh Spice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. The, then you guys, uh, looks like you enter in and you walk into the Oaken Throne. You can see that as you walk in, there's this, there's this entry room. Uh, there's a staircase off to the right that goes up to the second floor. You can see that there's a door to your left and there's this counter and on it, there's this ledger. There's this book for uh, people who are probably uh, renting rooms. But you can see back behind uh, this counter there is a large common room. You can see that it is uh, full of people. You see a couple halflings in there sharing a meal. You can see that sitting at the bar, you see Calvin Silvercrest. Uh, you see him sitting at the bar next to this uh, older man. They are, uh, they're both having a drink and they're just kind of chit-chatting. You see there is a dwarven woman uh, behind the bar. Um, as you walk in, she notices you and she holds up a finger and says, just a second, I'll be with you in a second. Um, and you can see there's lots of people in here uh, milling about. If my kids were there, they would have said, um, it's been a second. <laughs> Gosh. Oh. <laughs> oh, man, that's such a burn. I know. You can see even back in the corner, you see Ryla is sitting at a table uh, by herself. It looks like she's eating some food and um, it looks like she's got a little book out. She's going through some numbers or something. Uh, looks like she's uh, uh, running some running some numbers for this last trip that she did. After a second, this uh, this dwarven woman from behind the bar, she comes uh, around the bar, through the common room, and back up to this front counter uh, and asks, Well, are you needing a room tonight here at the Oaken Throne? Uh, yes, I believe so. Uh, how many rooms are you going to be needing? Have you got rooms sized for folk my size? Oh, yes. Uh, not to worry. We have, we have beds that'll fit you. Perfect. We have beds that'll fit both of you, standing on each other's shoulders. Ha, ha, ha. That's a joke. <laughs> hey, that's a new one. <laughs> mm, I'm sorry, but it's probably not. <laughs> it's not, but I thought I'd try to make you feel good. <laughs> ah, all right. Well, how many rooms are you going to be needing? Uh, well, I imagine perhaps we could make do with... I mean, if there's one room that has enough beds in it, perhaps we could all share one together? Well, I have rooms that will fit. I have a room that will fit six, and I have a room um, up in the attic. I have a room that will fit four. Uh, I, I think the room that would fit four might be appropriate. What do you all think? I think that safety and uh, numbers might not be a bad thing in a new city. That sounds great. Perfect. Okay, well, um, uh, room and board for four people. That's, like, going to be for one night. Up in the attic, we'll say eight silver. We'd better do a, a couple of nights. We may be in the city for maybe three, four days. I don't know. What do you all think? That sounds reasonable. I think three or four days would probably get us through. Yeah, Sylvie can pay that. She's got plenty of gold, so. <laughs> all right, then we'll just, we'll just say do four gold. Just four gold, and then you guys have the room for, for four nights. I'll take this one on, Sylvie. I'll make the payment this time. You can get the next one. Okay, all right. And does that include meals? Breakfast? Lunch? Dinner? 
Snacks. That includes dinner, but it does not include any drinks. Drinks are separate. Ah, I gotcha. All right. That's how they get you. Let's get some supper going. She's like, you don't have to drink, but everyone does. All right. Um, She hands you a key and she says, all right. So the room is on the third floor at the front of the building. Well, give me all your things. I'll go put everything away. You guys get situated. Uh, I'd like to go and get situated as well up in the room first. Okay, well, let's let's head on up then. All right, you guys, um, you head up the stairs, and it takes you to um, uh, this landing on the second floor. Um, and uh, for a second there, you're kind of like, well, where's the stairs that go further up? You have to walk down a couple of hallways towards the back of the building, and then there's another staircase that takes you up to the third floor. Um, and the third floor is, it looks a little different than the second floor. The second floor looks like it's got nicer rooms. The doors are are like polished wood. There's like these nice candles that are um, that are lit. The third floor, the um, the floor is uh, rougher wood. You can see that the doors are, um, they are not nearly as polished. You can see that the ceiling starts to slope as you get towards the edges, towards the east and west side of the building. Um, but you find the door at the end of the hall um, that takes you back up to the front of the building. And you can see there are these two bunk beds. Um, and uh, you have a little dresser in here, a little nightstand, and uh, and then you have a big window, so you can actually look out over the out onto the street uh, in the front of the building. Well, it's a little bit tight in terms of uh, space, but I think it'll work. I'll just refrain from distilling urine while we're all in here together. <laughs> I I appreciate that. Uh, that would be ideal. I did see a latrine down the hall. Mayhaps you could go and uh, use use the facilities if you need to do that. Oh, perfect. You could probably borrow other people's urine if you went in there. <laughs> oh, and I will, for sure. <laughs> well, I call the top bunk. <laughs> Uh, you guys can kind of situate yourselves in here. Um, and the, the bartender let you know that if you guys uh, are ready, you guys can come back down and get some food uh, as well. Okay. Ornan would take his, his pack off and and then head back downstairs. Yeah. Before we go, though, I want to pull out that uh, that poster and show it to them and say, does this individual look a little bit familiar to you, too? Oh, I think I think that's the name of Guy's character in the book. How funny! Yeah, yeah, the the book that he's writing, right? Yes. What a coincidence! Yeah. If I recall, I did pass an insight check on that all those episodes ago. Uh, I'm, yes, yes, you did. Yes, you did. And I did not. <laughs> <laughs> way, way a long time ago, I had passed an insight check on Guy and recognized that when he said his name. Or when he had mentioned, like, Baron Thorn, I should have used that name or should have taken that name. Oh, that's right. That I got the impression that Guy was not his real name. And so I'm actually going to say that to Sylvie and to Ornan at this time. I had this strong impression during a conversation we had a week or so ago that Guy may not actually be his real name. Well, I'm not sure that Wilhelm is his real name either, but it may have been an alias he used at one point in time. Perhaps. That picture is the spitting image of uh, maybe a little chubbier, maybe a little little more filled out version of Guy. Yes, this is what I think as well. I, I would say this. Uh, seeing this poster does not exactly worry me um, because, well, given 
what we all know about one another, it just further indicates to me that he is the type of individual that we can assume will be discreet. He's a comrade. He's a comrade, yes. <laughs> comrade. What does it say he's wanted for again? Uh, it says he is wanted. He's a known trafficker of dangerous individuals and heretics to the teachings of Aona. He was last seen Fantasy March in Fisher's Landing. And right now it's like it's like the beginning of Fantasy October. So like six months ago. Well, I think... If these claims are true about them, it puts us in great company, like you said, Margram. Although I would say if they are actively searching for this individual, perhaps we should be careful. That's what I was going to say. I don't I don't think we want to end up like Jelluin. And if, if they're actively searching for him this far away from where he was last seen, I, I think we'll need to be extra vigilant. Sabrina, can you say that again and say extra vigilant? What did I say? Vigilant. Village, Which like, was super cute. I loved it, though. <laughs> so, I'm so tired. That's um, totally fine. We'll need to be extra vigilant. <laughs> I do it again. Oh, my God. Vigilant. What the? Can we keep it, though? Yeah. Vigilant. vigilant. We need to be extra vigilant. Constant vigilance. There you go. <laughs> now, Sylvie, before we head back down there, you... You seem to have a pretty visceral reaction to to the the burning of that, that woman. And you, you knew her name. You just said her name was Jelloin. I, I didn't know her. Did, did you know that woman? I I did know her. Uh, she was, well, she was kind of part of my family. And Your family? Well, she's, she's from the same group as, as I'm from, but we're all kind of a family together. It's hard to explain, but yes, yes, I, I, I knew her. Her name was Jelloin, and and it was it was sad to see her go like that. I'm so sorry. And I would really like to avoid that fate for all of us. As would I. I, I can't imagine what's going through your head right now. I think I could use a pint. Well, let's get a drink in ya. Perhaps we should go down and have a drink. Not of urine, either, but like a real proper drink. <laughs> Whatever you, you want to do. Because I do not drink urine. <laughs> Who would do that? The more you deny that you drink it, the more worried I get that you might actually drink it. <laughs> if you smell it on my breath, it is because I am testing it for its qualities of phosphorus or whatever. Okay, Gru. <laughs> I'm a super villain. <laughs> All right. So Ornan, Magram, Sylvie, you guys come down. This time you come down the back steps, which leads you um, towards uh, back down to the first floor. Um, as you come into the common room, there's a couple things that you notice. You notice that um, this dwarven woman is slinging drinks. You can see that back in the kitchen, um, what must be her husband is like, chopping into like this big huge hunk of ham with this massive cleaver you see people are eating food um you see there's some like some dessert some kind of a blackberry crumble or something that people are eating um it seems like it smells really good in here the the alcohol is flowing you see ryla up in the corner and you also see uh this family that you were traveling with 
Um, they are sitting at a table kind of in the middle. Um, they're eating some food. You see this middle-aged man uh, and this middle-aged woman who are husband and wife. You see this, this young, young daughter uh, of theirs as well who was on the road with you. And just as you are coming back down into the common room, Guy approaches uh, from the front and is coming into the Oaken Throne as well. I will say that I spent about 10 minutes after I left uh, the Thistledown Threads just listening through Prancible for anything going on, listening to any kind of conversation that Aliona would have been having with Dilar, just to make sure that I didn't leave and she instantly like tied him up and then turned him over. Uh, as you were listening, you noticed that um, uh, you had to like sit still to listen because uh, you didn't want to be walking into uh, any like trees or buildings or anything like that. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it seems like she is um, really good with with Dilar. You can tell that she um, she has a soft spot in her heart for children. It sounds like okay. But as you, I was going to say, as you were walking towards uh, uh, the Oaken Throne, the only thing that really of note on your walk from Thistledown Threads to uh, the Oaken Throne is nobody's out at night. Like, nobody's out. At one point, you see three of the Baron's guards moving around, uh, like, uh, patrolling the streets. Uh, but they are uh, in tight formation. I mean, they're not, like, separating out at all. They're staying close to each other, and they are moving quickly. And you hear the sounds of, like, animals fighting. It's very similar to when uh, the night before when you were in Bayman. Um, you you hear like dogs howling and barking and you can hear like that that really rough uh, angry fighting that you can hear dogs get into sometimes uh, you hear that multiple times on your trip through town to the oaken throne but you do manage to get here without actually seeing or encountering any any of those animals that are that are angry yeah while I'm walking through I will have I'll have my visor down and I'll try to I'll try to look as much like a ferocious warrior. Yeah, I'll try to look like a ferocious warrior. Yeah, um, or a knight, somebody who's confident, somebody who maybe even belongs out on the streets at night. You know, mm-hmm. so and then I'll just head toward the uh, oaken throne. Yeah, as you walk in through the front door, you can actually you can see right through uh, to the uh, to the common room, and you can see uh, Magrum, Ornan, and Sylvie coming into the common room from a back uh, from a back door. All right, I'll head in, and as I see them, I'll I'll raise my visor and I'll say. Hey everyone! And of course, Guy, being the model of discretion, as they were talking about before, will pull out this bright, like canary yellow outfit from his backpack and say, "Magrum, I found this for you. It's going to look fantastic." <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> um, you can see that everybody kind of turns to look and see uh, who just came wandering in, uh, making such a scene. Uh, you do see Calvin sitting at the bar. Also, I, I failed to, to mention that there's actually somebody on the stage. There's a stage here, and there's somebody playing the harp and singing some songs uh, as well. So it seems like this is a, a pretty, a pretty happening place. Okay. And uh, as I as I walk by, I'll nod to Calvin as well. Uh, he nods back. Uh, He's got a he's got like a little uh, a glass of wine in front of him. Okay, and I'll belly up to the bar next to uh, Ornan. Hey everyone, I got us some new clothes so we can change out of the uh, the the trail worn things we've been wearing. How was uh, the rest of your introduction to Redlam? It was uh, fine, Wilhelm. Sylvia will say it kind of quietly, but just sort of see Guy's reaction. Okay, I'm gonna try to make a deception check. To not oh, show any any emotion whatsoever. It's a 16. So why don't you make an insight check uh, against that, Sylvie? Insight? Okay. 
I'm not very good at this. Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah, so 11. So, <laughs> why, yeah. do you, like, why do you keep tricking me like this? <laughs> what a coincidence. <laughs> huh. I thought for sure that would work. I must be wrong. <laughs> I'm going to kind of glare at... <laughs> I'm going to glare at Magrim and be like, damn. You fooled me. Yeah. Ornan think... also only got an 11 on his insight. But I think he's more impressed at, at Gee's ability to lie than than not seeing through it. Right. I think I think less that you don't necessarily believe that he's not that this is not him. You you just you know that he's connected somehow, right, to this wanted poster. Maybe it's not him. Maybe it's a long lost twin brother or something. You know, um, you, you you know that there's some kind of a connection, right? He's not able to just like, nope, not me. Okay, well, see you later. End of that story arc. It's gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're going to talk more in the future, so. <laughs> well, let's get some food and, and get settled. Speaking of settled, I have a date, and I'm going to uh, wander over to Ryla's table. Oh. <laughs> oh, gosh. Sashay. She told me I could buy her a drink. Yes, she did. You see, as you approach, uh, she sets her book down and she looks up. She says, I did not strike you as the kind of man who actually meant what he said. I'm sorry I doubted you. It's okay. People often underestimate me. What are you having? Most expensive drink that they have here. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Insight check. <laughs> I hope girl said just that, too. Like, not even answered with a drink. Just the most expensive thing. She's like, um, whatever it is, I'll have the whole bottle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm doing an insight check. Uh, that's a 15. She's being playful, right? She's being playful. She's tweaking your nose. But okay. she, would, um, she, would, she would not be upset if you did buy her the most expensive drink here. And I'll just say, booze, ale, wine preference wine okay and i'll head over to the bar and i'll get a glass of wine for her and then i'll get a a dark and stormy for me <laughs> nice <laughs> <laughs> and bring it back to ryland just chatter up for a bit cool yeah you can chatter up um yeah you guys make uh you guys seem to get along um she's playful enough uh she's got a similar vibe i think to Gee, a little less uh foppish Yes, um, but but definitely playful in that way. Yeah, and you guys uh, sit down here and you um, eat a nice meal. You can see that this family that was with you on the road, they uh, finish up their meal and the young girl stands up. She's yawning. She's tired. She looks over at you all four. And she's like, oh, where's, where's Dilar? Because if you recall, when you were on the road, uh, this young girl and Dilar were playing a lot. I will say, and this is a lie, so I will do a deception check. I will say... We were bringing Dilar to some other family here in town. He's going to take on a new profession. He's going to learn to be a tailor. And I <laughs> rolled a 19 deception. And she rolled a natural one. And she says, he gets to stay here in the city? Oh, wow. Well, he may, he may end up going to some other town to do some um, apprenticeship work. But yeah. But he doesn't have to go back to a crummy little town like Knuckle Creek. And she kind of looks over at her parents. Sorry. Wait a minute. Are you not staying in the city either? The mom says, oh, we're not sure where we're going to end up yet. We're, um, we're still trying to figure that out. We've got a little bit saved up, but I think that 
<laughs> Redlam's out of our budget. How far out of your budget is it? <laughs> uh, she looks over at her husband and he's like, well, we could we couldn't possibly uh, uh, we'll we'll figure it out. We'll we'll make do. Nonsense. You skinned mighty creatures for us. Uh, that I did. Uh, that I did. Brenneth. Um, no, sorry, <laughs> Kenneth, because I remembered I said I wouldn't remember his name right. Kenneth. <laughs> He's like, well, it's Brenneth. Where, where's Where's Grandma? Is she okay from the trip? Oh, uh, wait, wait, Grandma? No. Um, she, oh, she wasn't with us. Ah! Sorry, I had this stupid theory. Ugh. No, she was she was just a traveler. She just traveled with us. We we kept an eye on her on the trip, but no, she went her own way as soon as we got here into town. She said she had family that she was going to go stay with. <sighs> <laughs> no, I'm going to um, I'll say, Ryla, if you if you'll excuse me, and I'm going to head over to Calden. And I'm going to say, I was trying so hard not to be, like, creeped out by an old lady on the road or, like, think she was anything wrong with her or anything, but she wasn't with that family. I have this terrible fear that that was your mother in disguise. You can see he, like, drops his glass. Um... It's completely unfounded, and like I said before, if this was an episode of Law and Order, that it'd be circumstantial objection, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I was trying so hard, Paul. I was trying so hard not to be like creeped out, and oh, obviously the old lady is some kind of evil witch or something, right? <sighs> <sighs> Jerk. <laughs> I mean, it, it may not be her, but. So while Guy is over here, like having this like mind blowing experience, well, that sounds that sounds incredibly nasty. Um, <laughs> Guy, his jaw is on the floor. Yeah, he already broke up with Calden. Yeah, yeah. Also, his jaw is on the floor. Also, isn't much better either. <laughs> his pants are on the floor. I mean, I mean, no. Or- Orton was going to count out ten gold and and hand it to him and say. Well, I, I hope this might ease some of your travels and help you get situated. The father's like, no, we couldn't possibly. And then the, the wife's like, oh, no, no, for, for the work you did, for, for skinning those manticore. Of course. Oh, yes. Uh, well, thank you. If, of, of course, if you ever need anything skinned again, come. you can tell that his pride is like he's he's trying to keep his pride as best he can. Uh, but they thank you profusely. And then they um, they head on upstairs to go and get some sleep. I met a tailor today. We should see if we can get anything done with those manta corpses. <laughs> so dumb. Uh, so good. All right. Um, so you're over there talking with Calden. Calden's like, well, she could have just been another traveler who was traveling w- with the caravan. I mean, I know. But it's just, it's, uh, uh, again, it's all circumstantial, but it's too perfect. I need, I need another drink. I will have to think on this. Um, We'll talk more in the morning. And then he uh, scoops up the glass uh, that had fallen and broken, and he puts it up on the counter, and he says, uh, uh, I'm sorry. And he, he puts a, uh, a couple silver on the on the counter, says, uh, hopefully this covers that glass. And then Calden stands up from the bar, and he says, uh, good night, everyone. And then he goes upstairs and out of the out of the common room. Good night. And I'll head back over to Ryla. 
continue to chatter up. Ask her how Mibbles and Coco are doing. <laughs> All right. Um, the night goes on. You and Ryla are talking. Um, Sylvie is uh, drowning her sorrows in pint after pint, potentially. Um, Magram and Ornan, what are you two doing? And I guess the big question is, how late are you guys all going to stay up? Ornan might close the bar out. Okay. Yeah, I don't know that Mogram would stay up too late. Yeah, I don't think, I think Sophie would want to go to bed pretty quickly and kind of just would go upstairs and think about life, contemplate stuff. Okay. I think Guy would be, again, chatting up Ryla, but probably also head up to bed earlier than last call. Uh, Ornan would want to, so it looks like there might be some little folk as well at one of these tables. Ornan would want to um, try to introduce himself and maybe get a vibe for the city, maybe hear some rumors, what's kind of going on, get a lay of the land so that uh, he can be better prepared for whatever might come their way. Okay, yeah. Um, Why don't you just, um, just make a general persuasion check um i'll give you some information but just depending on how high you roll we'll kind of see, see how many different rumors you get so ornan got a 15 oh 15 that's really good these two here uh these two halflings uh they finish their meal they're uh, having a few drinks before they head up to bed um and ornan you start uh talking with them uh they start telling you some of the things that they've heard around town and with your 15 there are a few different things that you have heard Pick a number between one and three. Ooh, I'm going to do a D6 and then divide by two. Okay. Uh, That would be a two. Okay. And then uh, one more number between one and three. Oh, all right. That would be a one. Okay, perfect. All right. So some of the things that you hear that are happening around town. Uh, Recently, there were uh, some new followers of Aona that came into town, which you have... Uh, kind of heard, but now you have a name to go with these uh, new followers of Aeona, this new sect called the Sect of Nevor or Nevorians. Nevorian, okay. Nevorian, yes. The two wizards that uh, that you saw, they are the Nevorians, and then the like the bodyguard warriors that are with them, they're called Watchers, right? That's their title, um, and they act as bodyguards or wardens, or in worst case scenario, uh, they are executioner should quote, corruption happen to these uh, to these magic users, okay? So you have now a name, and you hear that they come from the south, and it originated down to the south in Rovian Barony, which is um, down on the coast. The second thing that you get to chatting about, you hear a rumor that something is going on. Like you've heard the animals going kind of crazy and and wild, um, but you've also now heard from these two halflings that the Shrine of Sylvanus, apparently the the druids who are there who run that shrine, druidic magic is more uh, natural, right? So it's not necessarily um, a sin. It's not seen as necessarily corrupting like arcane magic is. Um, These druids who are running this Shrine of Sylvanus, uh, they have been seen in town more often. And the rumor is that they have abandoned the shrine for some reason, but nobody knows why. They just know that they see these kind of earthy, hippie, hide-wearing uh, folk walking through town. And it seems that they spend a lot of time at a park over on the uh, on the west side of town. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Or I will thank them for the conversation. And- All right. 
Well, Magerman and Sylvia, I think, call it a night first. Guy and Ornan, you both kind of finish your conversations uh, right around the same time that the harpist finishes uh, her music. I think, Guy, um, as you say your goodbyes to Ryla, I want you to just make a persuasion check just to give kind of the impression, the overall feeling that you've given. Oh, yeah. It was a 25. <laughs> it was a 25. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I think when you leave to go to bed, she's a little bit taken aback. Um, like, oh, oh, oh okay. Um, you're still here tomorrow, right? As far as I know, yeah. Who knows where the winds will take me? I'm mysterious and aloof in that way. <laughs> no, we got rooms for the next four days. <laughs> I was going to say, I was uh, when I first came in, I was thinking, oh, yeah, Guy's not even going to worry about getting a room because he is going to really hit it off with Ryla. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, honestly, he learned a lesson a, a long time ago that uh, a, a girl who'll kiss on the very first date is usually a hussy. <laughs> and the girl who kissed on the second time around is anything but fussy. It's true. So, yeah, he's oh, looking geez. for a shapoopy. Oh, my God. <laughs> Whoa. All right. Okay. I don't know what a shapoopy is, but that sounds... Uh... <laughs> man, it's the music man. Uh, but anyway, honestly, oh though, God. he just... he's it, it, it's, it's, it's calculated. It's calculated. Okay. So. Yeah. Well, very good. Okay. Yeah, you go, you go on upstairs. You kind of leave her wanting more. Um, she was intrigued by you. All right. Very good. Uh, you all head up to the third floor to the room at the front of the inn while you guys are all up there in that room if anybody wants to say anything or talk about anything now is your chance you have some privacy i will hand out the clothes and say you all owe me 15 gold (laughs) (laughs) So he will uh, immediately toss it over. <laughs> There's a lot of sequin on this shirt. You got me. It's very fa- latest fashion. Actually, I will say this. You guys can decide what they look like and stuff, but I will. I do want to pick one specific aspect of everybody's clothing, and that is <laughs> Mogrims does actually have quite a bit of canary yellow, but it's not like a whole canary yellow like jumpsuit. It's just I thought it'd be funny if he wore some some color. Um, <laughs> Wait, a jumpsuit? It's it's a onesie? Like Kill Bill? <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Ornan, your outfit, you can decide what it looks like, but it has to include a William Shakespeare collar. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. Nice. Now, why is it that we are wearing these things? Wait, wait, I got to Sylvie, you can decide what yours looks like as well, but it does have a very large bow on the back, like a big accent bow like an anime character would have. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Sophie. <laughs> yeah, like just like, like, you know, right, right on the like lower back. So. Oh, gosh. I'm not even mad. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I'm really oh. not sure how to tie this collar, <laughs> but I'll give it a go. Uh, <laughs> those aren't pajamas, Ornan. <laughs> oh, am I supposed to sleep in this? <laughs> it's very fancy clothes. Um, it's, it's awfully shiny. All the sequin on the arms and the the design of sequin on the chest. It's it's gonna draw attention. Well, I, honestly, I was looking for something that would look that would look good with the arm pinned up. I I appreciate that. And the collar. The collar is very now. It's very chic. 
All right. Well, I'll I'll wear it tomorrow. <laughs> Honestly, for all the good work we did on the road, keeping all those people safe, we were not as discreet as we. I, I wouldn't even say as we could have been. I think we were we were about as discreet as we could be if we wanted to stay alive. I do. I do like staying alive. Yes. It's my favorite BG song. <laughs> <laughs> but I got us some new clothes so that maybe we could blend in a little bit better. I know that Tobias, potentially, he's going to go talk with the Baron and he said he may need to summon us. And I personally don't want to go and I don't want to be easily recognizable were I to skip out on that required meeting. That is a very, very fair point. I don't know that yellow is my color, but <laughs> I guess I can give it a try. Well, we all know black is your color. Black looks fantastic on you. Doesn't it look good? <laughs> but that's the point. The point is to not look like you for a little bit. It's a bit ostentatious. I'm not sure how long I want to stay in town. Well, how did the handoff with Dilar go? It went... Well, given the circumstances, I learned about a group called the Silent Voice or the Voiceless Silence, something like that, that apparently is um, working underground, kind of against the the strict austerity of the of the lamplighters of the the cult of Aona. But Dila was probably the last person to go through those channels. Uh, the the proprietor there was saying that the woman who was doing most of that work was condemned to death today. I think that's probably who you saw on the pyre. Yes. Jellowin. Her name was Jellowin. And you you knew her? I, I did. Yes, she was. Uh, she was from the same the same tribe as me, the same group. Uh, it, is Dilar? Is Dealer safe? If I mean, if she was part of this organization, this voice, and we just sent him him off there. Well, the the voice apparently is is sympathetic. I left Pranceville with Dealer for the time being, so if anything is to happen to Pranceville, I would know, and I can check in on Dealer. Apparently, I can write people messages if they've signed a contract in my book, and they can hear it in their head and they can respond. Fascinating. So convenient. Yeah, I mean, yes. So I have Dilar's name here in my book, which means we can send him messages and we can check up on him anytime we want. I did hear a rumor as I was having some conversation with some great folks downstairs. They said that uh, the priests of Sylvanus have been uh, acting mighty strange. And I mean, if anybody knows anything about... The wild animals and all the strange things we saw the, during our travels, they might be the ones to ask. They even gave me directions to a park where we might be able to find them. Well, perhaps it might not be bad to uh, gather a little bit of intelligence. It, perhaps it's just me, but it does feel like things are changing and not altogether for the good. I agree. I, I think the city might be more dangerous than Barograd. Except at least we're not quite as a fish in a barrel here. Exactly. We can hide maybe even more in plain sight because we can blend in with everyone. 
I still don't like it. I don't like how many people sat by while that woman was murdered and just watched. I don't like that I sat by. That's something I'm trying to reconcile in my head. I didn't do anything. Well, but to have done something would have been certain death. It was that the impression you got? The those other people in attendance, they would uh, were they were they bloodthirsty? Were they were they happy? Were they appeased? They seemed eager to watch. Rushing through the streets to catch a glimpse of the woman burning. Well, and there were more than a few rather intimidating inquisitors that were there. We have to keep our heads down here. Sylvie, I'm very sorry for your loss. Oh, thank you. The woman that I left Dila with said that she still knew all of the the same contacts. I'm wondering if, if that woman, if you knew Jellowin, I'm wondering if Dila's going to end up with your people regardless. Well, it would be a safe place for him if, if that's the case. Much safer than this city. Yes. I just realized I don't know much about where you're from. I just know that you have a family and that apparently being up a Hoftma is okay there. Yes, I... Well, I come from a small clan. Um, we're, we're relatively secretive because of, you know, the nature of our Hoffma status. Well, we, we consider each other a family, but it's more of a, a group of like-minded people who are working to get, to make the world a better and safer place for, for us Hoffmas. So kind of like, like a commune. So you're, so you're a hippie. Yeah. Uh, what well, you could say that. I mean, we do share resources communally, so you you could say that. Crystals, essential oils, <laughs> it's all very woo-woo. What's the love situation there? Is it free? <laughs> you know, whatever you want to do, you can, uh, you can do as long as you're not harming anybody. <laughs> all right. Uh, no, it's it's a lovely place. Uh, if if dealers able to get get there, that would honestly, I think that would be a much safer place for him than the city. Agreed, and and he will be taken out of the city. That was also stipulated. But like I said, we could send him a message if anyone wants to. It's kind of late now, but maybe in the morning, if you want to send him a message, we can write him some things, and he'll get it. And how it works is, I'll write in my book. And then he hears it, and he says his response, but it'll appear as writing back in my book. Very cool. Is anybody going to tell Guy about his wanted poster? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, Victor will will pull that out and say, Guy, perhaps it is time that you tell us a little bit more about this. And we'll hand over the wanted poster. <laughs> wow. This man has the coolest name. <laughs> Do you want to know a secret? Yes, please. This is me. <laughs> I knew it. <gasps> wow. You really had the wool over all of our ears and faces and over us. <laughs> all over. All over. <laughs> Oh, well, I oh, oh my. think the bed situation would have to be different for that. <laughs> <laughs> this, this was me. This was me in another life. I, um... Before it I says it way, was six months ago. But, but, yeah, I mean, yes. Uh, this, li- this, <laughs> this life is pretty new, honestly. And I'm, I'm kind of loving it. 
but this was before I came to Berograd. I had found a... I don't, I don't know if you'd call it a calling, because it also paid pretty well. But I... I found myself ferrying people like us between between places to find safety, to get them out of harm's way. And uh, at the time, the coolest name I could think of was Wilhelm Lionstorm, so that's what I called myself. I'll give you that. It's a cool name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and after things went to <laughs> I had to make some changes and I changed my name and I changed my look and I uh, changed my location but apparently they're they're still looking for they're looking for me clear up here that was clear down in in Fisher's Landing but yeah down in the Syrian Barony just so everyone knows uh, Syrian Barony is basically uh, if you follow this river um, as it heads down out of this lake, Crimson Vale Lake, uh, it will go down through this mountain valley, and that mountain valley is the Syrian Barony. Like that whole valley is the Syrian Barony. Yes, the my I think the point from this to me is, if they are indeed still looking for you, we must tread carefully. I think it's going to be important that we take proper precautions. Exactly, which is why the canary yellow. <laughs> Very well. <laughs> but honestly, it was, it was, um, I had my own boat and I used to take it up and down the river. I used to sail a lot at night, which is very exciting. I don't know if you've sailed a river at night and had to avoid rapids and rocks and, and learn the whole layout and, uh, know exactly where the safe, the safe places to, I was about to say to pull out, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> Lots of uh, practice with the pullout. Okay, exactly okay. Uh, the safe places to, to you know to to, to land and, and beach and um, yeah that was that was my life for a, a, a few years before before Berograd and and Nalira and and all of you. How often do you change lives? Would you say? I. Hmm. I'm on life number three, maybe three and a half. I've lived a, lived a few iterations of myself too, but I've never quite changed my name. Well, you would if you had my given name. Oh, oh! You can't throw that out now there and then not say anything. <laughs> Let's have it, boy. <laughs> well, first you got to reimburse me for the clothes. I've already got the fifteen from <laughs> Sylvie. Hey. <laughs> Thought you might have forgotten about that, but all right, here's 15. Is your given name really stupid? Is it, <laughs> is it like Bubba? <laughs> no. Oh, Bubba. I, I, honestly, Bubba would have been an improvement. <laughs> is it Bubba? <laughs> <laughs> no offense to anybody that's actually named Bubba out there. It's a yeah. fine name. Yeah, come on, Jordan. <laughs> Originally, I'm from Lone Shore, um, and my parents are tradespeople. They uh, they made clogs. They were shoemakers, but they specialized in wooden shoes. So my given family name was Klompenmacher. <laughs> Good heavens. I what a terrible name. <laughs> love it. It's incredible. My name was William Klompenmacher, and everybody called me Little Willie Klompenmacher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. 
That's a big secret. Nobody else knows that. And I would I would greatly appreciate your discretion just as much with that information as the fact that I'm a Pahoftma, please. Yeah, that's honestly way worse. <laughs> I would I would have relished being a bubba. <laughs> <laughs> But we landed on Ghee. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Well, all right. As you guys finish this conversation, uh, you know, you can hear the sounds of nighttime. You can hear the, the animals still kind of going going at it all. <laughs> I got to stop saying going at it all. Oh, oh, wow. Those are a lot of different sounds than I put in on that last episode. <laughs> animals are aggressively going at it in this town. You can hear the the. You can hear the zookeeper. Zookeeper. Those two monkeys are killing each other. (laughs) Oh my god. Okay. So anyway, I know. As the night gets uh, darker and it gets later and later, you hear um, the sounds of animals. You can hear the um, the howls and the hisses. You can hear the. the barks and you can hear like the uh, every once in a while like wings will go fluttering by your window um it sounds like there is um birds that are moving out at night probably owls maybe some bats and things like that as well um but the night is restless here in redlam but you are safe and cozy here in the oaken throne and i'd imagine that you all get relatively good sleep especially now in an actual bed um, and not in your bedrolls on the floor You wake up here in the third floor of the Oaken Throne um, in bunk beds. Just like a camp. <laughs> Okie dokie. Um, good morning. If you guys need to urinate, please urinate in that jar over there. You promised you wouldn't do that in the room. Margram, it's full. It's mostly full. <laughs> There's hardly any room. And it's so cloudy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So one thing to all of our listeners, anyone who's not a patron and does not see the maps, I have been extra careful in this campaign to put uh, latrines, to put garter robes in all of my maps. <laughs> There's actually places to poop. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, even though even though uh, chamber pots were a real thing. Uh, wait, yes, so wait, Magrim, did you need poop too? <laughs> uh, no, no, I do not. <laughs> well, let's get breakfast. All right, well, you guys head down towards the common room uh, to go and order yourselves some breakfast. As you take those back steps, uh, heading down the stairs, looks like Magrim and Ornan come in first as you are. Uh, you see that the uh, the dwarven woman is behind the bar again. She's uh, doing the typical bartender morning thing, which is like scrubbing some pewter mugs and uh, stacking up some, uh, some barrels and things like that. Um, and as uh, you all go to sit at the bar to order some food, you hear a voice call out from behind you. Ah, here you are. And as you turn, you see Gardenia, or as Ornan says, Gardenia, which is the cutest thing. <laughs> Gardenia, hey! Wait, wait, Paul, that's the wrong token. What are you talking about? Oh, I, oh, I see a different guard farther down. Yeah, that's, that is, that is normal guard. Gardenia is not a normal Okay, guard. yeah, sorry. I, because where I'm sitting, I can't see Gardenia's token at all. Oh, gotcha. Gardenia's okay. a babe. Oh, she's smoking. She really leveled up like a right. lot. I'm, I'm, I made her on Hero Forge. 
<laughs> oh, you did? I make everybody. I've spent uh, way too much time playing on that thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you hear her call out, and she approaches you uh, um, all from the back. You can see that she's accompanied by two other guards that are dressed in the Baron's uh, livery. You can see that Gardenia... Oh, gosh. You can see that Gardenia is also... Well, her name is Gardenia, you guys. Gardenia? You, you spelled it G-U-A-R-D. <laughs> I did. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> And the other guard's name was Garth, and he he died in uh, in Grimley Castle, and then we never talked about him again. Anyway, uh, Gardenia, uh, she comes in, uh, back into the into the common room to talk with you all. She's like, "I'm glad I found you. Um, Orn and I had warned you of a potential requirement. Um, uh, it, it has it has come to pass. Um, I am here to take you all to." Umbral Pike Keep to speak with Baron Thorn and his council about the goings-on in Beragrat. Can I do an insight check to see if she thinks we should go or not? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> do an insight check. Yeah. She's steely. That's a four. Yeah, she is steely. <laughs> Ooh, but Mogram rolled a 21 on his insight. Uh, Mogram, you get the impression that um, she regrets having to be here, but she is doing her duty. Um, and you also get the impression that she will do her duty. Got it. <sighs> okay. Oh boy, don't want to cross her. Are we all required to go? What am I supposed to do with all that urine in our room? <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we're going to stop for tonight. All right, you guys. Well, uh, well, very good. Well, hey, thank you for playing, exploring Redlam a little bit and the Oaken Throne. Uh, there are some interesting things happening here in the city. And it looks like next Scary, time... terrifying, anxiety-inducing things. Yeah, I'm not happy about the summons. Yeah. Um, time to go to talk with the Baron, whose name is Thorn Darkheart. I kid you not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it's... It's even better than I thought. Does he play, like, heavy metal guitar? <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, hey, um, don't forget, come join us on Discord. You can talk about this episode. Uh, any spoilers that you think might be going on? Um, maybe, like, what happened to that old lady? What's going on with that? Um, and until we get together next time, we hope you have a great time. <laughs>